0: 0710. Now let's kick off your financial future. Here's Josh Jelinski.
1: Hi everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback and we're being joined by uh, one of the favorite guests of our listeners, Harry Dent. And welcome back Harry to the Financial Quarterback Radio Broadcast. And for our listeners who've not heard about your work, uh going back to uh, your prediction of the demographic boom of the 90s and the 2000s, as you predicted the 08, uh, crash, uh, explain your background for those who've never heard of you. Well, you know, first of all, Josh, I'm not an economist
2: by training. I took everything else in college and Harvard business school because I really, I felt like, uh, economics and economists didn't really offer much about real life and real business. And, and so, uh, I started out, uh, consulting to Fortune uh, 100 firms with Bain & Company, uh, coming out of Harvard Business School. But then I, I really found that I got my calling when I started doing the same strategic work with entrepreneurial companies. I realized, you know what? I'm really an entrepreneur, and I really get along with entrepreneurs. And guess what? They're the ones that make all the innovations and really create change down the road. And so that's what really got me out of being a business consultant into an economist. I went and studied all the history all the economic history from every angle possible with, you know, total open eyes, no, no economic dogma and stuff. And came up with my own theories And Hey, new generations come up and grow up, you know, and raise families and, and, and peak in their spending, which I could pin at age 46 back then. And now it's 47, you know, and, and, and new technologies come about every 45 years. That's, that's one of the biggest clocks I have new technologies, Bam, you know, and, and just recently it was PCs, then it was internet, now it's crypto. People think crypto's a nothing burger, it's a baby. And 15, 20 years from now, it's gonna look like the internet does today, a fully mature, everybody's got it technology. So I found that by studying demographic and technology cycles and a few other ones, uh, commodity cycles in 30 years, that I could actually project out for any man, woman, child, business, whatever, where the economy is heading over the rest of your lifetime, not, not two years or the next presidential term or whatever. That's what most economists look at because they think, oh, after that, I mean, who knows anything could happen. No, everything that's going to happen in your lifetime is already in motion by these cycles, which, which have been proven over hundreds of years now. And, and so, so I just came up with my own kind of cycle approach and, and slowly became an economist I didn't plan to become an economist. It's not the best, best way to get a girlfriend, you know. So, <laughs> so, so I just kind of tripped into this, uh, did most of my research in the 70s and 80s, but I've been basically writing books and making forecasts ever since, particularly the late 80s on. And I, I, I was the guy <laughs> that people thought was crazy because I said in the 80s, this is going to be the greatest boom in history, and it's going to last longer than anybody thinks because the baby boom is such a large, generation. And they're moving up their spending cycle. And now, I'm <laughs> saying people, like, what, what do you mean? I'm saying, no, we, we, we're due for a major stock market correction and crash. Because ever since 2008, when the baby boomers stopped spending, which my indicators told people 20 years before it happened, when that happened, governments just went wild. And they've been printing money ever since, more and more. And since COVID, they've gone crazy, so, so now we're in a whole different cycle where governments are just desperately printing money to keep an economy that wants to slow until the next generation comes along. And that's the millennials. And I've been saying from day one, decades ago, they would have their boom from 2024 and particularly strong into 2037. So we got another boom coming. But in between now and then, we got to wash out a lot of bad debts. And a lot of excessive stimulus and craziness in the economy and stock markets are so overvalued that this will be looked at at history as 1929 all over again.
1: So it's no secret, Harry, that you're a contrarian and you've been talking about a coming correction for a while now. The question is always when you're predicting 2022 and Our very own Stan Harley is predicting that as well. So when you and Stan agree, I'm like, watch out. So uh, explain why you think 2022 will be the biggest stock market crash of our lifetime.
2: Okay. You know, I was talking about these really solid cycles and, and they really, it took me a while to get how solid they are. The 40-year generation cycle, which compounds and gets stronger every other generation, every 80 years, and the 45-year technology cycle I was talking about, just re- you know, here um, come together, both of them bottom together at the end of 2022. Okay, I mean, so so that is the biggest confluence of down events since late 1982. Um, so so I've been pointing to this for decades. The difference is. We really, in normal cycles, would have seen a peak in the demographic cycle in late 2007 with the baby boom peaking, which we did, and then a downturn. Then we would have seen the technology cycle continue into about 2019, and we would already be in another big downturn. But what are are governments doing? They just print, print, print. And since COVID, they got the excuse to print $5 trillion in, 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 in less than two years. So so they are desperately exponentially printing more, but my fundamentals have said all the way back to the 1980s when I started forecasting that, that this boom would start in 1983 with the baby boomers. It would peak in 2007. The technology thing with the internet and, um, would peak around 2019, and we'd see the worst years of our economy, 2020 to late 2022. With all this stimulus, they've pushed it to the limit. So, I'm saying 2022 is the line in the sand between fundamentals, real cycles, and endless government stimulus, which is something for nothing policies. And anybody believes we can grow forever just because the government prints more money, uh, you know, either I'm crazy or you're crazy. And I don't think I'm crazy. So I think this is where it comes together. If we don't see the economy get a major correction, in the next year, then it's going to be very, very hard to tell when. But my cycles have always said into late next year will be probably one of the worst years in economic history, particularly for the stock market and things like that. So, so we're seeing and, and we're coming up. This is, looks very toppy coming here late this year. So I think it's very likely we're, we're coming into a top here. Another thing my research has shown, Josh, and this is really crystal clear, especially in bubbles like this that the first crash coming out of bubble, like in early 2000 when the first tech bubble peaked, the first crash will be 45 to 50% in two to two and a half months. It's just like bubbles uh, build exponentially, but they go down even harder and faster. So the only way we'll know if I'm right, frankly, is that if we see that first crash, and I think the most likely time for that is between now here in late December and the first quarter of 2022. But when we see that first crash, then you'll know it's in motion and it'll be obvious because stocks will probably be down. My target is 2000 to 2200 on the S&P versus almost 4800 a day. So you'll know if we have a crash in a few months of anything that magnitude. And then, you know, we're going to have a rebound out of that first. And everybody says, OK, well, now the government's doing this. And then it'll just keep going down for a couple of years like it did in the early 2000s. And, and the 1930 to 32 crash will be the two closest corollaries to this. So so this is really the year. And, and so this is the time to be most cautious. Um, but, but you'll know when we see the market get really nasty quick. The problem is it could already be down 20% before you realize, hmm, okay, no. So, so I figured, I feel like this is just a good time to get more conservative. And then, and then if you do see this this uh, crash start to get very steep quickly, then you know this is in motion. But, but right now, the upside is limited after such a great 2021 year as usual. And and the downside is the highest I've seen in decades. So I, I think this should happen pretty soon if it's going to happen. If it doesn't, then people can question my forecast. But but you were you are walking dangerously, I would say, and and like you say, I'm a contrarian. In fact I was in I was introduced at one conference as the contrarian's contrarian this was a gold gold bug conference i was speaking at cuz they consider me contrary to them and they're considered contrary and uh, i i'm the guy that makes these calls when nobody else does and says look out like in late 2007 and times like that you know this is this is something real happening and the cycles are very strong so 2022 is the most dangerous year if we don't see much happen this year and and i do think the upside's limited after so strong coming to this then you know you may have missed a little bit but boy if i'm right you're going to see markets down from top to bottom in one year as much as 50 to 60% on the way down to 80 to 90%. that this is a 29 to 32 light like scenario in my historical context with all these cycles. so this is worthy of at least looking at and saying, "hmm, yeah, maybe i'd better at least get more defensive here." and then if we do start to see this happening, Get so quick. I mean, that's, that's all I can tell you. But it is true that since governments have fought it so hard and especially since COVID, COVID unfortunately gave central banks the excuse just to go whole hog. I mean, like literally, how much did they print between the great recession in 2008 and 2019? 3.6 trillion. And that, that's historically, that's off the charts, never been done before. They printed 5 trillion just since COVID in the last less than two years this is showing how exponentially they're having to go
1: to keep an economy barely growing
2: and how fragile it
1: is. It's kind of weird. You're agreeing. Stan Harley's agreeing. Lacey Hunt's agreeing. Jeff Snyder's agreeing. When all these people start agreeing who are normally a little bit different, um, you kind of would say, watch out. Um, Yeah,
2: I I agree with that. I mean, Uh, Stan and Lacey Hunt are are my two favorites, and Robert Precker is another one. He's saying the same thing, okay? These are the three people I most respect in newsletters or commentary, and and there aren't many. Because everybody else says, oh, yeah, you know, everybody's doing this, and other countries are doing it, and it's working out fine, and the government and the Fed won't let the thing collapse. When this thing goes down, it's going to kick the Feds, you know what, so fast, they won't know what hit them i mean that's the way if you build up a bubble this exponentially you can only expect to have the rubber band come back at you that strong and that's what's going to happen so very few people are going to see this coming and you just literally mention the same people i listen to and respect other than myself and that's about it there aren't many others uh, mainstream economists have no clue anybody thinks you can just keep printing money exponentially Again, $5 trillion in less than two years after $3.6 trillion off the records in 12, t- 10 or 12 years for that. This is exponential. This is crazy. People are going to look back at history and say, what were economists and government officials smoking? That's what they're going to say. They're going to say, this should have been obvious. It's not obvious. We're the four or five economists and forecasters uh, that, that are saying Raoul Powell would be the only
1: other guy to add to that list. That's yeah. it. That's my universe it's very people field. I listen to. You're right. It's very few. Very few. And uh, I'll a ask time. You, when we return from the break, we'll be back with Harry. I'll ask him about crypto, euro dollar futures, Bitcoin, treasuries. What are some safe havens that he would find uh, that someone might look at for their cash? When we return, this is Josh Jalinski, the financial quarterback. And if you call us during the break at 888-988-JOSH for the free review, that's 888 888- we will give you a copy of harry's latest book at no charge when you schedule and keep your no obligation portfolio review call us now 888-988-josh 888-988-5674 we'll be back after these messages hey meet you out on the first tee yeah i'll be right there just reading this
0: article on what new bill Congress passed. Looks like it's going to affect the value of all retirement savings plans. My financial guy didn't tell me about this when I saw him the other day. Well, my guy did, and we made a plan. You may have heard of him, Josh Jelinski. Josh Jelinski is your guy? Listen, if you're 10 years or less from retirement... Which I am. Josh will give you a free economic plan, which includes retirement planning, a 27-point checklist to make sure your income lasts as long as you live. He'll even help you navigate the current tax code. I'm definitely going to call Josh. Cool, but first, can we play some golf? Call Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio Program, for your free economic plan. 888 988 Josh. 888 988 Josh. 888 988
1: Josh. And we're back with uh, if there was a Mount Rushmore of guests, Harry Dent would be on, you know, the Rushmore. We, We would probably have Stan. We'd have. Lacey, we'd have, I don't know if you've, have you been following Jeff Snyder's work on the Euro dollar futures? He's one of these people, along with the people we mentioned where, you know, very few people are predicting deflation next year. And that's really what you're saying is going to happen next year. We were going to have deflation. He's saying that we will have deflation due to something with the Euro dollar futures. I don't really study that that much, to be honest. Have you been looking at that?
2: No, no. I mean, I'm aware of Jeff, but I'm not aware of that particular view. But what, what it's, it's very simple. Printing all this money, people have been saying, oh, it's going to cause inflation, inflation, inflation. Oh, we've gotten a little inflation recently, okay? Late stages, we always do late in a boom when things get tight. What happens, all this money goes into financial assets. It's financial assets, all real estate, stocks. Even gold has had one of the biggest bubbles gold has had in history. Uh, everything gets inflated, and then those assets, the financial assets, have to come back down to real value. Real estate's, you know, going to have to go down forty to fifty percent just to get back to normal. Stocks going to have to go down seventy to eighty percent, and on and on and on. So that is deflation. Money is built up into financial assets. Uh, not rationally, not normally, because they're printing so much money. It's just more money chasing the same assets. And then it deflates, and all that excess gets taken out like a balloon popping. And that's what I mean. These bubbles build up exponentially and rapidly, but they deflate twice as fast. Most people don't get that. So, so if, you, if you look at this dog, market, look at what it's done since COVID. If you can find me a stock market anywhere in the world, anytime in history, that looks more steep and crazy than what we've seen since COVID here in the US and the world, well, you won't find it, okay? That only ends one way, in a steep deflation. None of these assets are worth what they are. This economy would have been in a long slowdown between 2008 and 2023, by my demographics and cycles, if we hadn't printed trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. So we have to deflate. So deflation is the key term. Economists don't even know how to spell deflation anymore. We haven't seen deflation, except for about a couple weeks in 2008 when they panicked and stepped on the gas. And before then you have to all go all the way back to the 1930s to see deflation. Deflation occurs when you have major bubbles in financial assets, that then deflate and all this money disappears. Money is created, not just by printing it, but by multiplying it into higher and higher valued real estate and financial assets that more and more people own in good times, especially with high stimulus. And then it suddenly deflates and, and lets it out. And so deflation is the only way you can go from here. But you will find, if you go out there and look at contrary forecasters like me, most of them are saying we're going to go more towards hyperinflation, no. Lacey Hunt, myself, all the people we've mentioned, Justin. All these people are saying the same thing: a bubble like this only, and history shows only, only, only ends in deflation. In the end, you have to deflate something that inflates this much. Now it's still inflating, and we're even getting some consumer price inflation. Finally, well, that just shows you we're in the final phase. Because, just, I have a, a, a an inflation forecasting tool that's been working for decades that says we ought to be at one5 to 2% and we're at 6.8%. Who knows what January twelve report is going to say? It might say 7 or 8%. Inflation is way more than it should be because of all this money printing. So all of this has to come back down to reality or we cannot reset the economy and grow again. And I'll tell you, if we don't have, if governments keep printing more money and, and keep pushing this downturn off, all they're doing is killing the future of the millennial generation. The baby boomers have seen the greatest boom in history. Their boom will not ever materialize if we don't clear out all this excess financial assets and money printing and stuff, which all only perverts the economy terribly. Yeah, another statistic, I love the quote, I think it's up to 23% now. That's the percentage of a public, large public companies that cannot pay their debt service, mm. okay? Wow. Zombie companies. Twenty three percent. These companies should have been flushed out and made way for better companies. And people should be out of employment with those bad companies and employment with new growing companies. So all of this money printing is just delaying the inevitable, but it's holding back the next generation's innovations, the next generation's spending power, because all we do is have a lot of bad debt that nobody's willing to flush out of the system. Of course, it's going to be painful to do that. Companies going under, debts failing, banks failing when those fail. But that's what we did in the early 30s and did nothing but grow afterwards. And that's what we did not do in 2008 and 9. I'll tell you, natural cycle, that 2008 crash should have lasted into 2010 and should have taken all these excesses out of our economy. And then we would actually be in a much better state now and, and, and ready for the millennials boom to start about a year or two from now. And take us to the next boom, but I tell you, we, we will we will not be able to enter that boom. And, and ask Japan, Japan crashed way back in the nineties, way before everybody else, because their demographics peaked first. I called that. That was my biggest call was the collapse of Japan. I don't even get credit for that one because that happened so long ago. They have never recovered because all
1: they've done is print and money. And if forever you remember, I remember you. Then that's when I first heard about your forecasting people thought japan would never have a recession they thought it was yeah. like unstoppable sort of like how people view the chinese today that the japanese exactly. economy we, we was like, if we could exactly. only be
2: japan and we could only be as productive as uh, growing as fast and as smart as the japanese and then they crashed and then they, they've been a dead economy for 30 years now doing exactly what we we in europe are doing now to deal with this bubble and not let it burst they just they 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 kill their economy and and by the way japan had a millennial generation ahead of us they already peaked in 2020 you think japan has done bad so far they got another couple decades of nothing but demographic decline and their their population is shrinking and will continue to shrink so japan will never be a great country again their demographics would have said that to a large degree but the fact that they never allow their economy to rebalance and purge their debts, it means they have no potential as a society whatsoever as far as we can see. So Japan has shown the wrong way to do it, and everybody has not seen it. I've been preaching Japan. We are Japan if we don't react differently, us in Europe. And we are are doing the same thing.
1: How do we react differently? Like, I mean, other than having a lot of babies, that's one. So I have seven kids, so I'm helping... Our economy. Uh, David McKnight, who's also a guest, who also lives in Puerto Rico, by the way. He has a bunch of kids, too. Um, So we're doing our part. Uh, I don't know how many kids you have, but um, very few people have more than two kids anymore. So one way out of this is for people to have lots of babies, uh, maybe legal immigration patterns. Uh, Mike Bloomberg said for years that they should make all of the Uh, illegal immigrants legal and tax them so that the the tax base would grow. But other than those, actually, this good spot to break for the second break of the hour. We'll be back with, you know, what is the solution to all of this mess that we're in? Uh, The left would say have MMT, modern monetary theory. Maybe the government should buy S&P 500 indexes at the next crash. We're also going to talk about if we have, if we have a 20 to 30% decline in a month like we had in March of 2020, what will the Fed do next? Uh, will they buy the S&P? Will they buy stocks? Will we, we become like the Chinese? Up next when we return, this is Josh Julinski, the financial quarterback, and if you like what you're hearing, I will give you Harry's latest book, What to Do When the Bubble Pops, 888-988. Josh, you can get that wherever books are sold, go to harrydent.com or dentresearch.com or call me right now for a free portfolio review. Get a checkup. Uh, We are living in uncertain times. The best time to get your roof fixed is when the sun is still shining. And the S&P and the Dow uh, recently hit new all-time highs. But there are divergences according to the technicals. It it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that all things are rosy. So give us a call, 888-988-JOSH. We'll be back after these messages. It's always on
0: your mind. Retirement, whether you're 55 or 35. Not everyone wants to work forever, and most would like a comfortable retirement. You may already have a plan, but is it the right one? Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio Program, is ready to guide you towards financial freedom. He challenges the ways your parents and grandparents saved money with fresh strategies, which are exactly what you need to navigate today's volatile economic climate. Josh's new book, Retirement Reality Check, is available to order on Amazon. It's an easy read that guides you through his system for securing your financial freedom, including tax-saving strategies, understanding the right investment mix, and more. Order now. Retirement reality check from New York's financial quarterback. Then call Josh at 888-988-JOSH. Let Josh help you map out your retirement using fresh strategies. Call 888-988-5674. That's 888-988-5674.
1: And we're back with Harry Dent. Harry's uh, known world over for his forecasting prowess. He's always a good live wire for the radio or TV. Been featured on Fox Business. So we're talking about potential bright spots. So let's say the market goes, well, let's actually talk first, before we go to bright spots, market goes down 20 to 30%, let's say January, February, March of this year. The Fed then announces they are not raising rates. They're actually cutting them. They're building uh, QE infinity. And you know what? Uh, We're going to buy S&P 500 indexes. Um, Why wouldn't that then stop the economic slide that you see? Because I think if you noticed in March of 2020, the market was down 10%. And then they suddenly announced round one and then that didn't work. And they announced round two and then that didn't work. And they announced that they were buying LQD. People forget this. The Fed bought bond funds. That has never been done with the exception of like communist China. When they come in to bail out their markets and they buy assets, that was really scary. Now now it ended up being, it was paid back and it was, Somebody said it was like $8 billion by the time they were done, but that's still unheard of, and it sets a very bad precedent. So I definitely see within the next 12 to 18 months some definite turmoil. You and Stan and others see it a little bit sooner, um, even, even the first quarter, and I, and I can see why you say that, but the Fed comes out. They announce some amazing thing that's never been done before, just like what they did in March of twenty twenty. Why won't that stop the slide?
2: Okay, so you know the, the, the definition of insanity: doing the same thing over and over again. Okay, and expecting a different result. All they've done is escalate stimulus. The problem is when you keep escalating the stimulus. And remember, I said five trillion just since COVID. By twenty-five percent of GDP was thrown in our economy. We should be growing at twenty percent, but we're not. Okay. So so what happens is you keep amping up the economy, stretching it, and then you get bigger reactions. Remember, now I'm telling you, this will be the most important thing that could happen from my side. If I'm right and this next crash is not 20 percent, not 30 percent, I'm projecting it's going to be 50 to 58 percent within two to three months. That is like, bam, wake up. There is a point when you keep doing something insane and people say, well, it's insane, but it's kind of I mean, who really believes you can print money and create prosperity? And one thing to do it for a year, like in 2009, to turn around the economy short term, but to do it for 12 years straight, doesn't that tell you how desperate and how weak the economy is? And you still can't get it to to walk on its own or nevertheless run. So I think that's what happens. Finally, something happens on the other side. Oh, yeah, yeah, we get this crash, but it is 50% that fast. And, and by the time the Fed can even react, they're already losing credibility. People are like, oh, my God, OK, this crash now is so big, so fast that something is wrong and you just can't do the same thing again. Now, I'm proposing that's going to happen. This hasn't happened before in history where we escalated this much and printed this much money and done all this stuff. But I think that's what happened. I think finally... The, the a crash will get so hard and steep that people realize this really isn't working. We did this in 2008, then we did it in here, and we did it here, and then Japan. Now, by the way, Japan has been buying this stock market for a long time. They've been so desperate. They've already bought most of their own bond markets. Japan, for years, have been buying their stocks too. I mean, so, so the government has to buy all the bonds. They issue all these bonds and debt to keep stimulate the economy. And they got to buy those to keep them from falling in value. And then they have to buy their own stock market. I mean, how desperate does it get? So at some point when you're playing double, if you're going to play double down, double down, double down, you're always going to go to zero at some point. And so I think at some point we get a big enough crash that people wake up and and the old thing of, well, you know, the first time we printed one trillion in 2008, you know, 2009, and, that and then, oh, oh, and last time we just printed $5 trillion after COVID. And, and now you know, their move to, 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 to even put a dent in this, I hate to use that word, they're going to have to print $10 trillion in like a year, okay? They're going to have to just go overboard if the market crashes. Yeah, like March
1: of can. 2022.
2: Market, if you keep blowing it up, how can it not crash harder and harder? That's what happens here. So that's how they lose the game. They keep playing double down until it crashes so hard. People finally wake up and say, this isn't working. And then they look like, oh, it's going to take $10 trillion now in
1: three months to keep this from crashing. And then people go, sorry. Yeah. It's sort of like a drug addict, right? You know, they, they yeah. get that first There's high. More and more to get the same high until you hit the pavement or die. You
2: either go into detox or rehab or die. That's the three things. A bubble is exactly like, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Josh, it's exactly like an addiction. It takes more and more and more for the addiction to keep working and give me high, even though it's totally artificial. You're not happy because you're happy. You're happy because you're taking some drug, doesn't matter what it is, heroin, alcohol, 20 cups of coffee a day, whatever your thing is, until it gets so hey, I like coffee.
1: Harry, I like coffee. No, no. no, you're right, though. I didn't you know. Yeah, now coffee's you need a lot better than the other ones. Yeah, now but, but, you need, but you don't no, drink but it's 20 or 30 still, cups yeah. a day, do you?
2: What if you went from five to 10 to 20 to 30 cups a day? There'd be a point where your body would be so exhausted, you would just fall flat on the pavement and bust your head oh, from yeah. exhaustion from drinking 30 cups of coffee a day.
1: No, it, no, the, it, it has a uh, deleterious effect. Well, we're with Harry Dent. For those of you just joining us, a uh, world-renowned forecaster talking about a 2022 Outlook for the ages, folks, if you want his latest book, Zero, Zero hour. hour is his latest book, and we'll give that to you for free when you schedule and keep your no-obligation review, at 988 josh When we return, we'll be back. Like, what are some positives that Harry sees on the horizon for the economy, if any, and what are some uh, maybe safe havens in this uncertain world? When we return, this is Josh Jolinsky. The financial quarterback, don't touch that dial. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback here. In these uncertain financial times, it is imperative that you guard your financial future. If you call within the next three minutes, we will offer our complimentary bear market survival guide, which will detail steps to help your plan to potentially survive the COVID-19 crisis. The bear market survival guide will cover how you might still be able to retire amid a volatile economic climate. We will throw in our complimentary 27 point ultimate game plan for retirement. Call us at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674 for your bear market survival
0: Call Josh Jelinski, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio program, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH.
1: And we're back with Harry Dent, harrydent.com, dentresearch.com. He's the author of Zero Hour, which is our free book giveaway when you schedule and keep your no obligation review at at 988 josh Harry, uh, you got any new books out on the horizon other than Zero Hour? You're always re- doing yeah, no, some research. No,
2: I, I, I wait for major turning points. I, I think, and, and writing books takes so long, I probably will put out one more major book, probably between late 2022 and late 2023. When I, when we're in this downturn and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and and. and Focus on that because I've already warned about this. I have no need to put out another zero hour like book. The next book will be a bullish book and be looking more importantly, the 80s, the last boom, 80, 83 to 2007, was bullish everywhere in the world. Everybody was demographically going up, technologies were roaring. This next boom will be much more selective. It's a it, China was the star of the emerging world in this one. Guess who's gonna be the star in the next one? Nobody, even Indian economists won't forecast it India is the next big thing. So China is going to grow more slowly now that they've overinvested, over urbanized, more rapidly than any country in history. And they're gonna go down the hardest, by the way. They're the biggest bubble in the world. India is the next big thing, and I've got early stage indicators on urbanization and GDP per capita, the best way to project emerging countries. India is going to be richer than China as they get more urban and mature, and nobody thinks that's possible. My indicators say it's already a done deal. So India in in Southeast Asia are going to be the, the exciting part of the next boom. We're going to be doing okay. With our millennial generation but the millennials don't only take us back to the need for housings and infrastructures and technology this is the baby boom did india and southeast asia are going to be the next great boom and 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 it's going to look india's going to wake up like china did in the 80s so so that's going to be very very exciting and and again just huge potential i mean the rest of the world is going to do what the developed world did they won't get quite as rich because they never do everybody can't get rich in this world but but you're going to see countries go from 5 to 10,000 GDP per
1: capita to 20 to 30 uh, like is India is that due to childbearing is is that due to demographics and childbearing that that India doesn't have this you know two two child per uh, family well, well, it's, policy it's
2: really, to, it's really due to rural to urban as as people get more urban they get wealthier and wealthier people are the ones that have less kids poor people don't have less kids wealthier do so it's built into our so india is much more much less urban than china china's already made most of its urban move already about as rich as it's going to be india has a move bigger than china's made in the last three decades coming in the next three or four decades and that's again so it's urbanization having much better jobs much better specialization of labor urban people are three times in emerging countries, three times more prosperous than rural. So it's really a rural to urban shift. India is already making it. I can project when India is going to mature as a fully urban country by 2065. I'm not going to live to see that, but my kids and grandkids will. And I'm telling you, India is going to be the richest country in the world by then, not China and not the US. Nobody thinks that's possible. It is inevitable. Well, that makes in a lot opinion.
1: of sense to me because they're going to be the most populated country in the world. So they have a more lot, people. China's
2: already losing people. China's population is already declining from aging and stuff. India's is going to grow to one point six billion while China's retracts towards one billion. So it's going to be the largest population in the world by far. And Southeast Asia and India are going to do what China just did in the last 30 years in the next 30 years uh, or so. And, and so they're going to go from, you know, 5,000 GDP per capita to 25 or 30. They won't be as rich as us still, but imagine going up four to five times in your GDP per capita over three decades with 1.6 billion people. Wow. So if you don't think that's an exciting future for investing, I don't know what is.
1: No, I Just think it's exciting. Now, you like <laughs> cryptocurrencies. Are you a Bitcoin maximalist? Do you like all of them? Uh, You you said that the internet 20 years from now, 20 years ago is sort of like how Bitcoin is today. Um, I actually, it's interesting you say that. I was having dinner with one of the early Bitcoin investors. I'll I'll keep his his name private because he doesn't want to be known, but he was showing me sort of the future of Bitcoin and how in essence, it's really going to be like messages. I don't know if you've heard of the Sphinx app, People are just messaging money back and forth. It's on the blockchain. It's secure. And essentially, sending money will be as easy as a text message. And he was showing me the evolution of it. All on Bitcoin, by the way, because one of the knocks on Bitcoin, people say, oh, it's slow moving. It's not going to really be uh, the money of the future because there's a limited quantity. But he was saying, well, here's this. I'm going to send a Satoshi here. And it was it was amazing. And I saw the future 10 years from now. Um, you know, he was using uh, the Edge app and Sphinx and some other things because, it, you know, now it's kind of clunky. You got to go on Coinbase. You got to buy Bitcoin. You got to offload it to your wallet. And he was like, you know, in the future, it's all going to be very effortless. And, and he was showing me. It was amazing. Uh, what say you about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? I think here's the simplest way to see it. The
2: internet, I mean, personal computers, you know, portable computers made it accessible to people. The internet took, made it into a worldwide web and way more accessible and of What that was for information, okay? What the internet did for information and knowledge access the, the, the crypto arena does it for financial assets and money. The best simple definition I heard was a guy speaking at my conference a few years ago. He called it the digitization of all financial assets and money. When you digitize it like this through the whole crypto and blockchain thing, it's not it's not it, it's the blockchain technology is important, not Bitcoin per se. Bitcoin will probably just end up being a standard for money like that. OK, when you do that, then money is much more, and wealth is more manipulatable, and growable, and exchangeable. Like you said, you just trade the stuff like. That. Well, this is still in its infancy. This will the internet basically emerged, you know, back then in the late '80s, early '90s, and, and matured, you know, and, and here recently in this boom. So crypto is emerging while the internet, on about a 20-22 year lag. Is maturing and it will be mature between about 2037 and 2040. And I probably will live long enough to see that. So so we're seeing it as its an infancy. And, and by the way, I track, I'm tracking Bitcoin just like I track internet and Amazon. It's a key player there. Bitcoin's following Amazon's path. Amazon was $6, bubbled up to 136 in the 2001 tech bubble and crashed back to six. You could have bought Amazon at six bucks, okay, back in 2001 to two, okay, and and now then it became yeah 3500 or whatever, okay. So Bitcoin's doing the same thing. It's in its baby bubble. It's about to crash in 2022 with everything else. It will not be the safe haven because it's the strongest part of the bubble, just like the internet stocks were. We're in the last two or three years of the first tech bubble from 95 to 2000. The internet was the strongest part of it, okay. Well. Crypto's not on the NASDAQ and the stock exchanges like this. So it's off on its side, but that's what it's doing. So Bitcoin, I think, is peak at 69,000. I thought it might make 100 by the end of this year. Very clear four year cycle. I think it's going to crash in the next few years. And I don't mean by 10 or 20 or 30. I mean by 80, 90, 95%. And then it will be, lead the next to crypto and, 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 and Bitcoin and Ethereum. But Do I like it all? No, there's like 9,000 coins. If I I liked all the coins, I'd be a crazy man. Okay. We're going to have to shake out this industry to the real leaders. And that's going to happen in the next few years. And then the the crypto, I'm saying the best in the next, by 2023, between late 2022 and 2023, if we have this big crash, I'm talking about the number one spot to buy long term will be the best crypto um, stocks like whatever, Ethereum, Cardano, Solano, Bitcoin, whatever. the ones that survive, and they, they will be this long. We're not gonna go into the future with, with 10,000 coins, okay? That's insanity. But, but, but think about the innovation of this industry. Isn't it a wonder that that many crypto companies have been launched at low cost? Because IPOs are expensive in the normal world. Oh, not in crypto, bam, coin, done. Blockchain
1: done. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the miracle right there that's going to play out over the next 20 years. You know, fascinating. We're with Harry Dent. We're going to take our final break of the hour. And when we return, we'll get concluding thoughts and more with Harry Dent of Harrydent.com And get his book, Zero Hour, for free when you schedule and keep your no-obligation review. Give us a call now, 888 josh 888 We'll be back after these messages are you worried about the recent coronavirus crisis and how it may have affected your money hi everybody I'm Josh Jelinski the financial quarterback inviting you to join me for my complimentary six ways to keep calm during turbulent markets webinar if you schedule and keep your no obligation webinar today at 888 josh it's a great thing to do if you're stuck at home under stay at home orders call us right now 888 josh if you're bored there's never been a better time to get Get a second opinion on your wealth than right now 888-988-JOSH 888-988-5674 and go to my website retirementrealitycheck.com today and take your free investment profile quiz and when you buy my book you're eligible for
0: three free gifts 888-988-JOSH call josh jalinski host of the popular financial quarterback radio program 888-988-JOSH
1: And we're back with Harry Dent. So we mentioned some bright spots, potentially crypto long-term, uh, India, any other things. Like, So where do you put your money if you're concerned about the future 12 to 18 months?
2: Well, well, well again, there, there, when you have a bubble, and this is the everything bubble, okay? Everything is bubble, including gold. The gold is on a bubble bubble. I'm like... Gold bubbled up more than the stock market did at its peak in 2011, and then again more recently. So everything has bubbled, okay? So you have to get out of the bubble. The safe haven is not gold, gold the bubble. The safe haven is cash, but that's not the best because cash just preserves your money where it is. The best safe haven is the, is the safest long-term bonds in the world, and guess what that is? 30-year treasury bond. Read my lips on that. That is the one asset among any long term high quality bonds. AAA corporates and treasury bonds are the best. But the best is the 30 year treasury bond because it locks in low yields that'll go down to zero. Okay. And this whole deflation thing, the longest, those things can go up 40 to 50% when stocks are falling 70, 80, 90, and real estate 30, 40, 50. All your assets are going up. This is the way you grow your money in a downturn and then you reinvest systematically in India, in Southeast Asia, and, 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 and the crypto revolution and, and tech stocks and stuff and those sort of things, and the new industries emerging and the millennials' favorite companies. You invest in those things from about maybe late 2023 on. But in the meantime, you got to get in the safest haven. And everybody thinks it's gold. No, it is the treasury bond. Everybody thinks the U.S., This horrible country, we've done what everybody else has done less so. Japanese have printed way more money compared to their GDP than we have. Europe has printed more than we have. We're the best house in a bad neighborhood and still the largest, strongest country in the world after all this progress around the world. US dollar, as in 2008, and US treasury bonds will do the best. And guess what? Gold in 2008 crash did well in the beginning. They're thinking, oh, this could be the safe haven. (laughs) <laughs> when, when Lehman Brothers went down, so did gold with a gold crash 50% in a couple of months. Gold is not the worst place to be. Treasury bonds are the best safe haven and the longest term possible. TLT is an ETF that averages 20 years, but I still say buy 30-year treasury bonds. If you can't just buy those treasury bonds, they will be the best safe haven. And then you don't want to hold those in the next boom. You're going to have inflation coming back slowly. And, and booms and r- around the world, you want to want to get in India, Southeast Asia and in technology stocks, follow the crypto revolution. that's going to be the leading dog in, in, in the developed countries in the u s.
1: What about people say tech is now so big? You know, you get these companies, the Fangman stocks that are becoming so big, they're almost like com- countries that they're right. they're sort of unstoppable because they will have political power, they'll have clout, kind of like they survived March of 2020. But that's really where I see, what, whenever people lose faith in Fangman, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, and then you could throw in Tesla. When people lose faith in those companies, that's when I see the crash happening. That people say, oh crap, I just lost 50% in Tesla. I'm gonna sell. And that's when you could see your 80, 90%. People forget the NASDAQ lost about 89. They lost a lot of them. I forget how much it was the exact percent, but it lost a whole lot more than- percent in the 2000
2: crash, and that was nothing. That was in the middle of the boom. Okay, that was a correction. This will be the end of a major bubble. And you're right. These tech stocks, and they are dominated by these leading companies. They, are the dom- they dominate the NASDAQ, okay? They will crash 90% or more, and people will say- Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Tesla was a big bunch of baloney. No, that's not going to be true. They're going to come back strong the other end. But yes, when people lose faith in the leading stocks, which are the large technology companies like Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, all these Tesla, these are the leading stocks. They will. They have bubbled up the most, so they will go down the hardest. People don't get that. When they get that, you're right. Then the whole thing will go down. And these companies that are so great and powerful and worth trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and their founders—you know, you know what the net worth of Elon Musk is going to do if I'm right? It's going to evaporate at the fastest pace of any individual maybe in history. And Jeff Bezos and all these guys. Okay, Bill Gates. Now, these things will come back. Technology will lead again, but this is going to happen first. So, so you're right. And this is what it's going to take people to really get. That's why I say the key to the Fed losing credibility is for this first crash, not the whole thing. The whole crash is going to take two to three years, like in the early 30s and the early 2000s, okay, when a tech bubble like this peaks. But this first crash, I am saying, is likely to be 50 to 58% in two to three months. Bam! That's going to wake people up and they're going to go, oh. Oh, everything I thought, oh, these stocks can't go now. Oh, these stocks are going to the moon. No, they're going to get it really quickly and then try to, say, try to have the Fed spread out and say, well, okay, we'll print 10
1: trillion this time. People are going to go, you know what? You almost I had that with bad. March of 2020. I think it would have been good yeah. if the government let COVID run its course. Yeah. And, and really because people were starting to save their, save their money. There was was a savings rate increase and essentially the government would have had a great austerity that Lacey Hunt talks about that we would have needed to get us out of this mess. And then people just said, ah, we're getting stimulus, so let's just spend it on a TV. Where they were making very wise decisions for the first time. And it was almost like a World War II generation moment. Um, We need that again in america for this whole kind of problem to burn itself off well thank you so much harry Dent, author of zero hour uh 30 second concluding thoughts anything you're working on that's new exciting with demographics well, and you sure know the, dem- the best thing just just keep up with us um free newsletter at Harrydent.com.
2: i have a paid newsletter we have a free you get a couple things of articles a week from us for free just get on Harrydent.com. that's the best way to keep up with me and again watch what I'm saying here. If you see, all of a sudden, this market just seems to get up and up, and all of a sudden, you start to see a crash get nasty, that's your first sign. Because I'm saying every crash, every crash, look at 2000, look at 2007, eight. now look at every crash gets steeper, harder, and nastier. If you see that in the early stages of the next crash, you're going to know I'm more right, and you're going, to, you're going to be able to react a lot faster. As they say, the secret is not outrunning the bear. You know, it's outrunning your friend. So that's what we're going to be in. Whoever gets out of this bubble the fastest wins. And, and I'm warning you in advance, but I know that 9 out of 10 people won't get it till it starts to happen. So I'm telling you, even when it starts to happen, look for this. Look, once you see that first sharp crash, if we see a 50% crash in two to three months, The Mm -hmm. Federal Reserve and central banks will never have a comeback for that. They will lose so much credibility. Then you wait for the 50% retracement or so to get out of that if you're you're still in it. And then you know that that we're going to go into a detox, a deflation of assets. And all you do is just get out of the way, get in those safe treasury bonds, get out of stocks and real estate and risk assets, and then you are ready with liquid capital to take advantage of the greatest sale on financial assets of your lifetime and in history since 1932-33. That's what we're about to see. No bigger opportunity than if you'd have seen the 30-33 to crash happening before it happened and pounced on it when everybody gave up on all financial assets and thought the world as they knew it was over. No, it won't be over. It will shift to Southeast Asia and India. It will shift from from these type of tech companies to crypto and sort of stuff like that, that people still don't understand. But yeah, it won't be over. That'll be the opportunity of a lifetime.
1: Well, thank you, Harry Dent, Harrydent.com And folks, give us a call, 888 josh Thanks so much for joining us, Harry Dent. Take care, Harry.